I can't actually say, well, I sat down and did a plan and I, you know, when I got into real estate, I thought one day I'm going to own a franchise network. If you told me three years ago, I'd be CEO and owning the franchise network, I would have laughed at you and said, there's absolutely no way. So often your life takes you where it's meant to take you. If you say yes, if you say no, then you've lost that opportunity. You're listening to Elevate, the official podcast of Elite Agent for real estate industry sales professionals, property managers, and leaders. We're proud to present Courageous Conversations, a podcast series focusing on the tough decisions people have made to put themselves on a pathway to success. This episode is brought to you by Connect Now, who makes the business of moving easier for both you and your clients. For more information, visit connectnow.com.au. Please welcome your host, Leanne Pilkington. Hey everyone, Leanne Pilkington here for the latest edition of Courageous Conversations and with me is the CEO of Stockdale and Lego, Charlotte Pascoe. Hey Charlotte. Hi Leanne, thank you very much for having me on. Hey, thanks so much for taking the time out. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Let's talk about your background because I, I know you are CEO at Stockdale and Lego and there's only a handful of us, right, that are female CEOs in the franchising world. Um, and you are also one of the owners of Stockdale and Lego. So you and I have got quite a bit in common, really, haven't we? We do. We, uh, we seem to have our worlds aligned somewhat. Yes, indeed. So tell me about your, uh, give me a bit of a, a history of work. How did you get to where you are now? Yeah, so I started, uh, funny story, I, I called my mum one day and said, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. And she said, I reckon you should give real estate a crack. God, that happens a lot. <laughs> it was never this whole, you know, when I grow up, I want to be a real estate agent. Never um, yeah, I didn't really know. So I opened up the yellow pages, which kind of shows that. You're not as young as you look. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I'll take that as a compliment. Yeah. Um, so I opened up the yellow pages and um, looked at a brand, Hocking Stewart, that I, I kind of knew. I was new to Melbourne. Um, looked at South Yarra and thought that's a pretty good area. And so I gave them a call and said, hi, uh, looking for an entry-level reception job. Have you got anything? And they said, your timing is phenomenal. We actually just decided today that we were going to split a role in half and we needed a new receptionist. Would you be open to coming in for an interview? So, of course, yes, jumped in the car, went down, got the job, and that's sort of how it started. How old were you? Uh, I was 22. Okay, great. 22. So you, yeah. yeah, 21, 22. Yeah, so I tried everything before that but just never found my... Found your happy place. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I started there and then liked the idea of having a life, so <laughs> chose the property management world as opposed to sales because a bit more than nine to five or so I thought. Just sort of progressed from there, really enjoyed that listing side of things and went into a role at uh, Philip Webb in a BDM position. Um which opened my eyes up massively and a huge amount of respect to BDMs out there. I remember doing a listing presentation for some sales guys and they were like, oh, your job is actually the same as ours. <laughs> yes, exactly the same, just selling a different part of the business. Um, so, yeah, I guess from there my, my focus had been that sort of growth of rent rolls and um, the business development moved into more the management side Um Worked for a company, Melbourne Real Estate, where when I joined, there was about 250-odd properties and a couple of years later, we'd grown it to 2,000. Wow. Yeah, it was amazing and it was a really different business model, which I I really enjoyed. Um, And then 
got into an international company, setting up their offices um, in Australia, did that for a couple of years, um, and then uh, landed the job with Stockdown Lego. And what did you start? What was your role when you started at Stockdale's? Uh, I was brought in as a growth manager um, to to do that growth side of things, um, which I, being honest, I changed it pretty quickly. I sort of sat down with the the business owner at the time and said, I I feel like we need to fix before we grow. Um, Can we just put pause on it? But it's like a sieve, you know, it's like a portfolio. If you're putting properties in the top but you're losing them out the bottom, let's try and yeah, plug the holes basically. So my role sort of changed from growth into more processes and systems and analysing the different offices and the business itself, what the offering was. Yeah. And um, you've only recently become um, a business owner and but you you became CEO before you were a business owner, right? Um, so how did that, how did you find that transition? How did people kind of respond to you in that CEO role? It was a challenge on multiple fronts. Um, the first the first thing was, I guess, that it happened in June 2020 when Melbourne was in its first of many lockdowns. Nice. Yeah, it was it was great trying to take over a company from home. Yeah. <laughs> so that weekend uh, I called for each of our directors and talked about the changes. I think effectively for the um, couple of months prior I was stepping up more and more into that management role. But when I took it on, it was on the basis that I wasn't going to change my title at that point. It was more about making sure that the vision that um, that I had for where the group could go was something that our group resonated with. It wasn't a case of right now I'm here, do it how I say do it. We needed to make sure that where I wanted the company to go and where our group wanted the company to go was the same. So uh, very collaborative, which is a typically a female trait, right? Yeah, it was, um, you know, my um, my other half, Amy Blackburn, is very much the same. Um, and so I think between the two of us, we, we spent a lot of time really understanding what they need and instead of it being it's our offering, and it sort of comes into, I guess, what our organisation is about. It's not about what I think you need to do for your business yeah. or I guess what I'm going to tell you you have to do for your business. For us, it's about what does success look like for you how do you want that success to create a life for you? And um, and then our job as a franchise or we see is to support that vision. And Sounds like you've, you've listened to my pitch. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's exactly what we say. That's exactly the same um, for Langston. Yeah. So, yeah. I think the businesses are out of line. I know you've sort of said to me that some people struggled with the concept of you being the CEO because you are relatively young, you are a chick, clearly, um, and you're also background is um, <laughs> your background's property management, whereas, yeah, you know, yeah I don't know. So t- tell me kind of what were some of the struggles you had with that? I will say the beautiful thing for me is that, you know, the, the group that we have in our network have never made me feel like that. So it's yeah, not nice. internal and I think the, the the people that know and understand who I am and how I like things to, to sort of run, I think because it is collaborative, I feel like they've, they have a piece of what we're, what we're doing and how this is going to yeah. um, grow. So I haven't felt that from within. The challenges that I've had, I've had comments like, um, you know, she's just a property manager, so good luck to her. Um, you know, young, female, I've had... Um, 
I had one person actually look me up and down and then looked at one of my directors and say, yeah, but who's actually running the company? And he was like, Charlotte, she's sitting right here. I'd said, I'm the CEO, I'm running the company. And then he looked at my director and went, yeah, but who's actually running the company? And he's like, she is. So I think there's a bit of an old school um, view on it. And I think as well, you know, coming into a role of, a legacy brand, so a brand that has been around forever. And, um, you know, I, I got told a lot when I took it on, but you're, uh, and I was like, what, young and female? And they're like, yeah, I didn't want to say that, but yes, because I think there is a perception that perhaps Dr. and Lego is a bit of a grey-haired army and um, because there hasn't been that revitalization of who we are, it's been a brand that's there, everyone knows it, but, you know, it's uh, it's been a challenge and I think a lot of people struggle to get their head around it um and it's sort of um taken me the last what nearly three years to explain what we're doing um but more importantly what we've done so yeah so what you've done yeah so instead of sort of um I guess instead of going to uh the conversations and saying from the beginning and the get-go I'm Charlotte this is what I'm going to achieve it's been a case of head down bum up when we took over and COVID certainly helped with that head down and finally in the background Um, and doing all the things that needed to be done and then being in a position to say this is what we have achieved. And now that we've achieved these great things, it's celebrating the wins. So when you're getting all of that, because I can, I resonates with me because I had a lot of the same kind of um, conversations uh, when I was running, uh, when I first started running Lemon Simmons. Um, how did how did that make you feel? Like, did it really ramp up your imposter syndrome and say, "Wow, maybe I maybe I can't do this," or did it just did it fuel you to go, "Oh, watch me"? Bit of both, I think. To be honest, um, I think the imposter syndrome. It was interesting at the Rise Leadership Retreat, listening to Jason Pellegrino, the CEO of Domain, talk about how he had imposter syndrome. Which made me feel really good, but it's normal. <laughs> well, I thought it was really brave of him to actually share that because he's, you know, because um, imposter syndrome, we do typically think that it's a, it is a female thing, um, but it's actually not. It's just that the blokes don't tend to admit it. Yeah, I think it's a human thing. I think yeah. if you don't get imposter syndrome, like after that, com- after his um, sharing of his imposter syndrome, it got my head thinking about, okay, well, what does imposter syndrome look like for me? Because I know... I've been on Zoom meetings where, you know, I remember at COVID there was 70-odd people and there were all of these names of people that I'd grown up with for the last 20 years and I was on a Zoom with them thinking, how am I in this conversation with you guys? Like, I am not at your level. Uh, And it took me a long time and I think my successes in the organisation and what I've done has made me more confident that I can. The question about imposter syndrome for me that I sort of had, I think, uh, was it's not whether or not, I want to. Do I have the passion to do the job when I was asked to do it? Absolutely. Would I give the commitment and my left arm to make this work? Absolutely. There's no playbook when you're a CEO, particularly in a company where there's not a big board of directors and there's 20 people to reach out to. I don't know about you, but when I saw my job description, I kind of went, "Um, I don't even know what some of that means. I didn't have one. Job description was the title and just let's make this happen Um, because we were, you know, we were in a reinvention stage, right? right. So to sit there and say this is what you need to do, 
it wasn't going to be an easy one to um, to identify what it was going to look like, I guess, because there wasn't that job description. It wasn't a clear path of here's the vision, here's the business plan, this is what we're going it to achieve. You had to build it all. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Yeah, right. um, but, I mean, I get imposter syndrome being a parent. Like I sometimes catch myself looking around at my kids and my husband in, in my home and I think, how did I get old enough to own a home? How did I get old enough to be a parent? Like I'm dropping my daughter at school going, how is, like I still in my head think I'm 21, right? Yeah. So I think I get imposter syndrome in so many other things that you do. Yeah, I think right. in social settings, right, you go into conversations with people and you think, do I fit in this? And I, and I think it's just your evaluating of a situation. And I think if you can find a positive and make it drive you and say, yes, I've got the commitment in a professional sense, I've got the commitment, I want to make this work. I just, you don't have to be super brave in this industry. And I think that's what we, we talk a lot about bravery and doing those big things. You don't have to be, you know, super brave. You don't have to be a superhero. You just have to be 1% braver than saying no. So you just have to say yes. And it can be, a hesitant yes and go, okay, I can do this and you're going to have some self-doubt and you're going to have all of those things. But if you're just brave enough, then you're, you know, you're free to go. Yeah, completely agree. I um, I gave that advice to a young uh, girl at our induction session just this week and I said, if I can give you anything, any piece of advice is say yes, even if you're scared, even if you don't know how to do it, say yes and then ring somebody, you know, ring me. Um, ring, just reach out Absolutely. because there's so many people who can help you, but you've got to take those opportunities when they come because they don't come when you're ready. Opportunity never comes when you're ready for it. Correct. Yeah. I think that's um, one of the biggest things um, that I've been asked, how did you end up from property manager or receptionist to CEO? Yeah. Um, and I can't actually say, well, I sat down and did a plan and I, you know, when I got into real estate, I thought one day I'm going to own a franchise network. If you told me three years ago I'd be CEO and owning the franchise network, I would have laughed at you and said there's absolutely no way. If you told me that three years ago, I would have laughed at you as well and I've been <laughs> at Lane Simmons for over 20 years by then. <laughs> so it certainly wasn't part of my plan either. Absolutely. And I think that's the biggest thing that you so often your life takes you where it's meant to take you if you say yes. If you say no, then you've lost that opportunity. But if you say yes, park your, your self-doubt and saying, oh, I don't know if I can. No one ever knows if they can. You start a new job. It doesn't matter if you're a property manager going from company A to B, a salesperson going from company A to B. You still have that self-doubt. Just say yes if it feels like the right thing to do. If you say yes, then amazing things will happen. You never regret doing these things and giving yourself that push. There's always great lessons to be learned, even if it doesn't work. The lessons you learn from extending yourself only help you further in the decision-making process later down the line. So true. I typically regret the things I don't do rather than the, th that, rather than the things I do do. Um, Correct. So that's interesting. Um, you mentioned that we were um, at a conference together uh, not that long back and the conference sort of took a bit of an unexpected turn for me anyway, even though um, it is all about uh, mental um, um, and physical well-being, not just um, how to make lots of money in real estate. Uh, but there were a lot of women who started to share stories around um, abuse and harassment and, and issues in the workplace. And you were one of them. Um, and I was shocked to hear what you had gone through. And just wondering if you can, I mean, I don't need, you don't need to go into, into massive detail, but just, you know, briefly what happened and how did you kind of, importantly, 
move forward from it? Lots of things have happened. And I think uh, that the thing that I took away afterwards was um, the women in the room came up and thanked me and one girl particularly uh, said, thank you, I was crying the whole time you were talking because this has happened to me, but I've never been brave enough to speak. So thank you for speaking for me. Yeah. Um, and I think Holly Longmuir was the catalyst for it at the RISE um, conference on Tuesday prior. Um, and I think it gave a lot of people that, that strength to talk about it. And I think, um, you know, I've had situations with staff and colleagues and bosses where I've been put in a position at Christmas functions, um, bailed up and sort of pushed into a corner at a Christmas party and told that it's time that we, and I won't use the same language because <laughs> it's a podcast and inappropriate, um, but I was told there were certain things that I should be doing um, because that's what I needed to do. And I was like, no, I don't. Thanks very much. See you later. And I was pushed and pushed and pushed. Um, and I'm a pretty strong personality, but it took me a lot to push back. You know, I've uh, had colleagues sexually harass me, physically harass me. Um, and the thing for me out of that, um, out of that conference was also that talking about my experiences, I reckon there were about, you know, I think there was about a hundred people in the room. Um, I'd say 20 or 30 males, men came up to me afterwards at different points privately, gave me a hug, um, and said, I'm so sorry, I've been told that there are issues, but I don't think I really understood it. And one of them is married to a woman in real estate and he called her on the break and said, this is what Charlotte's just said, is that, is that real? And, um, and she's, <laughs> I think she was a bit kind of, uh, yeah, we've been telling you and telling you and telling you um, and, and saying it out there, but people aren't quite receptive to it. I think they were hearing it but not listening. Or What, and, what and I, I found, because I've sort of spoken about this stuff for years, right, um, on stage at REI events and all, all kinds of places, and the feedback that I get is that doesn't happen in my business, Leanne, yeah. right? And there were a lot of men, a lot of very senior men in that room when you spoke that I think if you had have asked them the day before, they would have said that doesn't happen in my business. But if you ask them that day, they would go, gosh, I'm not sure what's happening in my business. I need to find out. Well, interestingly, part of what I shared was that in that, um, in the first night I had spoken to a couple of people about mental health and wellbeing and all of that kind of stuff and it had come up in conversation. And I was told specifically uh, by a couple of males that it doesn't happen in our network, it's not a problem. And for us, it had happened in our network and I removed the director immediately as a result. But I also got pushback from the industry saying, yeah, but he didn't do this. It wasn't that bad. And my favourite was it was okay 20 years ago. And I was like, uh, it was never okay. No, it was never okay. Correct. The difference is now people aren't sitting there quietly. It's sort of going, well, hang on a second. No, this is not okay. Don't take it so seriously. It's just a joke. It's just boys being boys. You should be flattered. Definitely flattered. Definitely. Definitely. It's great. Um, and I think that's the big turning point out of the um, event for me was I had a number of different heads of networks, franchise networks, come up and say, oh, my God, I, had, I, I didn't 
really understand it. I kind of knew that maybe there's a bit of an undertone, but we need to do work on it. In fact, one guy said to me, oh, we've had a situation recently, which is um, I need to deal with it differently. Hearing what you've said, how I've dealt with it is actually not the right way. I need wow. to deal with it differently. It's not a real estate problem. It's a societal problem. You yeah. know, you walk past a work site and the guys on the work site, wolf is like, you go into a bar, the guy, you know, grabs you and you should be flattered. Um, it, there's, it is a societal issue. You look at all the things that have happened, um, you know, within Australian politics, for example. Um, oh, right. Brittany Higgins. I actually messaged Brittany Higgins and was messaging with her afterwards and oh, wow. said, the bravery that you've shown, I just want you to know that there's been a ripple effect in our industry. Nice. Um, what you did, I know she endured huge amount, but what she endured has now meant more women are starting to talk. So I, yeah, I messaged her and said, just want to let you know this is the impact Fantastic. that is happening in our industry. And she was thrilled. She's like, oh my God, I'm, you know, thank you. This is the best thing because it haunts her, I guess. Yeah. Um, she's pleased that it's still continuing those conversations. And so as um, um, as now the leader and part owner of um, an organisation, how do you teach your other business owners to have these conversations? We actually afterwards had a meeting by Zoom, <laughs> um, thanks to COVID. We had a meeting with all of our directors um, following it and I shared what I'd shared at Rise. I said to them, I, I think you guys need to hear it from me rather than it being a second-hand, nice. third-hand conversation. Yeah. I want you to know what I've experienced, what I've shared and what I want to see change and these are things that I'm really passionate about and I want to make sure that we're on this journey together. Um, and I shared it with them and they were all so amazingly supportive. Yeah. In fact, I got messages from some of the women in the, uh, in the Zoom and some of the men um, saying it is so great to be part of a network that is going to put people first but legitimately live by that and not just have it as lip service. Yeah, and nice. I think one thing that we've taken away and that we're talking about and putting together is it's all good and well to have a bullying and sexual harassment policy as an example but it's a piece of paper right you get your contract you get all of this paperwork the one thing you read is the schedule page on your employment contract do I get paid how much is it how often is it yes 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 okay I'll sign it and the rest of it doesn't get read by most employees so it's actually a document that sits there in the bottom drawer and most people don't even know where their work contract is once they've signed it anyway and so it's not something that is lived by. It's something that has been talked about. They've ticked a box and said this is what, um, you know, this is what we have to provide as opposed to it being this is part of the fabric of our organisation. So for us, we're looking at, okay, what training, what sessions, where, um, what does an induction look like to somebody coming on board? What is our expectation? What, how can we facilitate conversations? What can I do? Like I've had... Um, staff members pick up the phone and call me and I think you're also an exceptionally approachable CEO that people, whatever role they are, are happy to pick up the phone and have that conversation with you. Yeah. Um, but I think the most important thing is for me making it so that there is somewhere to go and that it is never acceptable to feel uncomfortable or unsafe in your yeah. organisation. So how do we do that in a genuine way that is um Again, not lip service and a document, but what does this actually look like? How do we encourage those people to have those conversations? And I think if anyone's listening to this, 
It's not about saying, oh, someone looked at me to the left and so quick, I've got to make a complaint, let's go through a whole big investigation. It's actually going and saying, if something's happened, saying, look, this is what's happened to me. And if, for me, if your director, if it's not, you know, if, if it's at a colleague or whatever, if your director is not a person that you feel comfortable, it's not that they don't care, but you might not feel like that's the right person. Who is the person you can go to so that this doesn't happen again? Because not saying anything is condoning it and accepting it and allowing it. And you also need to stand up for other people in the, in, so if you hear it yes. or see it, right, you need to say something and, um, you know, it's okay for me to be comfortable enough to say, hey, guys, that's actually not appropriate. We don't tolerate that kind of behaviour here. Um, but you want, you want everybody to be able to actually say, you know what, that's not who we are. It's not the way we do things. It's setting a culture. Yeah. Setting a culture of, um, of amazing behaviour and being part of a family and you spend more time at work than you do at home, you yep. see your colleagues more than you see your parents or your husband or your wife or your kids or your friends or whatever it might be, you need to love going in there and you need to feel safe and you're going to you're gonna have shitty days, excuse my French, <laughs> you're going to have those days where it just is, you know, it's, it's awful. I think no matter where you work and whatever you do, you're always going to have those times. But this is different. This is something that is either, as I said, if, if no one says anything, then it's condoning it, accepting it and encouraging it. And I think for anyone who sees it, you're saying it's okay if you don't say anything. Anybody watching this, um, if you want to have a conversation with either Charlotte or myself on it, please just reach out because we're really open to it. The more conversations we have, um, the more impact we'll be able to have on the industry um, across the board, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, I was going to say, I think the... Rise people are looking at what next? How do we incorporate this into it? The conversation has been great. Everyone wants to change this culture. Yeah. How do we do that? So I think the other part is if you've got any ideas to share that with buyers or us or whatever it might be. Absolutely. On that note, thank you so much. It's always great to catch up with you. I really appreciate your time and I will look forward to seeing you very soon. Thank you so much, Leanne. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Courageous Conversations with thanks to connectnow.com.au. Don't forget to get access to all of Elite Agency's premium resources, including a detailed episode guide for this podcast. Visit joineliteagent.com.